All the Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. This episode is also sponsored by Manscaped.com. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STSPOD. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com with promo code STSPOD. This local access message is brought to you by Uber Eats. Welcome to Wayne's World. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. As a local access show, we want everyone to support local restaurants. But we'd never manipulate you the way all these other commercials do. Oh, God. Shaw, that's really sad. Totally. We're better than that. Yeah, we'd never shamelessly rely on a celebrity cameo. Right, Cardi B? Yeah, eat local. Or jump on the latest trend. All right. Local needs, Queen's World, Yummy Time, excellent. That's right, free delivery for selected local businesses on Uber Eats. If you use the code EATS-BRIAN-T24790UE, that's EATS-BRIAN-T24790UE, you share that code, I'm sharing it with you, you get $20 off a $25 order and $10 kickback comes to us here at Shooting the Use Uber Eats now!
is time for officially, I guess this would officially be the first episode of The Record Store. I am Lance Levine. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you know me from all the wrestling podcasts and all the other various shows that I've done, this one is always going to be about music. There won't be any wrestling in here, so I apologize to you that tuned in by mistake that were hoping to hear me talk about Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and so on. Shout out to John McAdam. But uh, <laughs> there will be no wrestling. It'll be all about music. And so to those of you who listened to the first episode, which I think we titled it, officially we titled it Episode Zero, uh, the Three Doors Down episode, I appreciate all the feedback that I got and the commentary, uh, the constructive criticism, the praise, the uh, shitting on it, whatever, any kind of comments, any kind of reviews, I appreciate it. And hopefully I can use any of the constructive criticism to, uh, to make the show better and better as it goes on. So as you heard in that show... Um, basically, this is episode one officially, and this is going to be a different podcast, a music podcast, roughly about 30 minutes each episode. Not sure how often we're going to do it. Ideally, I'd like to do it weekly, but we'll see, a couple times a month for sure. Um, and so it kind of sprang from the book that I just put out, All the Right Notes, uh, which for those of you who have already read it, and or bought it and or reviewed it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a fun time putting it together. Um, and it was, uh, it, it pretty much represents how important music has been to my entire life. So, um, if you would order it on Amazon in paperback or Kindle, that would be awesome. I appreciate it. And please review it. I want a real review. I don't want, I'm not going to be one of these people that is uh, begging for five-star reviews for things. I, I hear that on podcasts all the time and it drives me nuts. I always think like, if I like the podcast, I will review it. If I don't like it, I may review it that way too and say you sucked and it should have been better and you could have done this differently. But I really want the honest opinion and the honest feedback. I'm not going to troll for just five-star reviews. If you didn't like the book and you want to give it one star, hopefully there's not too many of you that think that way. Way, but if it is, then it is. Uh, but hopefully the book is a fun ride, and I would imagine that hopefully most people would give it a positive review. Because like I said, it's pretty lighthearted, uh, a lot of cool information, and a lot of cool things that have happened to me over my lifetime that have dealt with rock music in some capacity. Concerts, run-ins, whatever. Um, so anyway, the podcast kind of springs from that. So I was looking around in my apartment, and I realized I have thousands and thousands of CDs. Um, mostly CDs. I do have vinyl too. I have some vinyl, hundreds, probably hundreds and hundreds of records, but definitely CDs are easier, easily more transportable, uh, when I've moved and so on and much more easily to stack up and collect. Um, so I have thousands of CDs and CDs. I started buying probably early eighties, I guess it was when they first came out. And so they, I've amassed so many of them that it, it dawned on me that there's things that I haven't listened to in decades. You know, there are CDs. I'm such a collector, and I fall in love with bands. There are CDs that I have that I've never even listened to, to be brutally honest. And so this project basically kind of sprang from that, in the sense that I can find a band that I haven't talked talked about, heard about, listened to in forever. So the concept behind this is basically all my CDs, for the most part, are in my bedroom. Uh, I'm not one of these anal weirdos that keeps everything alphabetical or chronological or anything like that. My CDs are literally just stacked on my dressers in my bedroom and in no particular order, no chronology, no band, no alphabetical, none of that stuff. Although that's cool if you do it, I suppose that's cool, because then at least you can find stuff, whereas it takes me half an hour to find something at times. So anyway, so the concept is, 
I can turn off the lights in my bedroom, make it pitch black. I can literally reach into a pile of CDs, a stack of CDs, and grab something at random. And whatever it is that I pull out, I'm going to talk about that music, that band, that um, that CD in that particular episode. And I want to make it very spur of the moment, very fresh. Uh, I'm not going to do a ton of research or anything. It's just going to be literally me riffing on that album. Uh, if I've had any run-ins with that band, if I've had any interactions with that band, if I've had, uh, if there, there was something specific about that band that touched my life or anything like that, I want to make sure we include that too. So, um, the couple of ground rules, actually there was really only one ground rule that I kind of established with this, and that was that I'm not going to do the same band two weeks in a row or, you know, two out of three weeks or something like that. So in other words, if I grab something that I just did, I just happened to do the who two weeks ago, I don't want to do the who again. So I'd put that one back. So other than that, I'm not going to put anything back. Like I said, I've got some weird shit in my collection. Uh, there's like a Beavis and Butthead soundtrack in there somewhere. Uh, there's some stand-up comedy albums in there as well. Uh, like I said, there's movie soundtracks probably that I bought. I'm sure there are movie soundtracks that I bought because I was so in love with that movie. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I bought the Star Wars album because Star Wars was, like, the greatest thing I'd ever seen in, you know, on the big screen at that time and whatever it came out, 76, 77. And, of course, now we look back on Star Wars and we're like, please, that, those are, like, the worst special effects I've ever seen. You know, it doesn't compare to today. But with Star Wars, obviously, it's more universal. It's more timeless because of the story. And what it represented back in the day. So I'm sure I have somewhere, now that's on vinyl, it's not on CD, but I'm sure I have the um, the soundtrack to Star Wars somewhere. So there's going to be some weird stuff, and I'm going to be put to the task. Can I talk about the soundtrack to Beavis and Butthead, you know, for half an hour, and see if I can actually pull that off? So um, that was the only ground rule, though, is seriously not putting anything back, regardless of how weird I, uh, something that I pull out of the collection is. So there will be, um, it'll be mainly rock music, because that's my genre, uh, but there's going to be some other stuff mixed in. So anyway... The ground rules, that's done. So let us get on with the episode. So it is, the name of the album is Lucy, which I guarantee you if I say that, nobody's going to know who is the artist from this one. But the name of the album is Lucy, and it is the second album from the band Candlebox. So it came out in 1995. So I fell in love with Candlebox early on. I thought they had a couple really, like, great songs on their debut album which was in i think 93 um and they had uh for you and left far behind rather far behind and you were the two big out the big tracks that they had in 93 off the first album their debut um i always liked these guys and these guys had kind of a weird track record because they started so hot in 93 and they had a couple songs like I said that like were all over rock radio and then they just kind of petered out and so in researching them for this for the purposes of this um, it like it seems like there's an interesting pattern with these guys first off I love the guy's voice Kevin Martin is the lead singer's name love that guy's voice it kind of goes along with the three doors down I love that guy's voice too so very kind of similar actually in in the sense of the type of the genre of the music the hard rock Um, these guys started in Seattle 
they were a complete um, revolving door of band members with these guys. The only constant really was this guy, Kevin Martin, who was the singer. I never realized like basically the entire band <laughs> was gone. So it was almost like one of those Beach Boys type deals where it was just like everybody else were session musicians and then the lead singer, you know, so like when the Beach Boys would tour and it'd be Mike Love with a whole bunch of other guys or possibly Brian Wilson with a whole bunch of other guys. And so to call them the Beach Boys was always kind of weird to me. But anyway, so this is very similar. So a couple things about this album. Um, on the liner notes, there is a part tour. And again, keep in mind, this is 1995. On the liner notes, it says to join the Candlebox fan club, you have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope to keeping your regular at Candlebox Fan Club in Kirkland, Washington, which is where they started out. So first off, the concept of a self-addressed stamped envelope, I'm like, does anybody even realize what that is anymore? I mean, barely, I'm sure people barely are ever buying stamps anymore, let alone a self-addressed stamped envelope, which used to be something that they would ask for back in the day to save the bands or the artists or the, the celebrities would try to save on postage to respond back to people. So that was very weird. And also the name of their their fan club being called keeping your regular like is that like a metamucil reference or i'm not sure what that was so anyway if you look at the pictures of these guys on the liner notes they definitely look like grungy guys there's definitely um like a grunge i mean they came from seattle in that seattle area they um they definitely had that influence. I always thought they were kind of that kind of sound, but as you'll see from one of the songs on Lucy, there's a couple other bands that influenced them too. Um, on the liner notes on this one, they thank about 500 people. You know, they're one of those bands that has to thank, you know, the third grade teacher, math teacher uh, from Sunday school. And they thank like 500 people, their wives, their brothers, their sisters, their cousins. But they also, I thought it was interesting, they thanked Rush and they thanked Metallica, and they thanked Living Color. So it turns out in doing some research that they actually toured opening for Rush and opening for Metallica after the success of that first album. So I thought that was cool. I don't know if that there was a connection between them and Living Color, but um, definitely a similar sound. There definitely was some, some similarities to Rush and to Metallica in some ways. Not so much Rush. There definitely wasn't that many similar similarities there, but there's definitely some sound similarities with Metallica. So these guys I never actually saw. I liked these guys for a long time, but I guess partially, um, I know part of it was the fact that they were never playing at venues that were very specifically convenient for me. Um, they also, the time frame, just it was one of those bands where there was just always the wrong time and the wrong place as far as where they were going to be. Um, or possibly they opened for somebody that I just didn't give a shit about, <laughs> possibly. Although I would have liked to see them open for Rush or Metallica for sure, uh, but it just never happened. So they only did, um, they would do like, I, I remember them coming around as recently as just a couple of years ago, and they seemed to always be at those grungy bars and clubs that were on the outskirts of Chicago, um, that they maybe would hold two, 300 people at the most. And you'd probably have to use a lot of hand sanitizer even back in the day to be in one of these places. So I, de but I definitely would have gone to one of those clubs to see them. It just, like I said, the timing was the timing and the geography was just never right for me. Like they were never playing at a club that was super convenient for me um, on a day that was, 
that was, I was off work or whatever the case may be. So just never worked out. Although I would still love to see him to this day, even with the uh, revolving door of membership. As long as they had that lead singer and the, they maintained the same basic sound, I think I'd be cool with them. So these guys only did six albums. They started in 1990. Uh, first album with all the hits was in 93, uh, self-titled. They broke up in 2000. This is all news to me. As somebody who likes these guys, I never even knew this. They broke up in 2000 after what was called problems with the record company. So in looking back at it and looking at their charts and charting, um, they did three albums with Warners. Uh, and they were finding less and less success as time went on with these albums. So I think the, the quote, problems with the record company was probably Warner saying, all right, we've had enough of you guys. You started super hot, and the next two albums were, they, they didn't tank, but they certainly didn't do as well as that first album. So Warner's dropped them. They broke up. Uh, they reunited in 2006, and they did three more albums. Um, and it was the exact same thing. They the the first reu- reunion album in two thousand eight charted, did pretty well, and then the next two albums after that tanked. So just a, a repeating deja vu pattern with these guys, where you know the first album did really well, broke up, then the reunion album did well, then they just petered out again. So it's too bad because I, like I said, I really like the sound of these guys. So like I was saying earlier, revolving door of membership with these guys, um, they have had members of their band of Candlebox that have included people that used to be in Pearl Jam, used to be in Ugly Kid Joe, used to be in Daughtry. So the other guys, some of the other guys who left early on started their own band that I never heard of, so I'm pretty sure they didn't go on to any kind of big fame or anything. And the last album they did was a live album in 2017. The last thing that came out was in 2017, a live album, which they've done six studio albums and two live albums. So kind of a falling back on that whole live thing. Because it, it seemed like they toured a lot. Because I would always see their names, Candlebox, like appearing at Joe's or, you know... Uh, what was the name of that one place in Libertyville? There was like some grunge bar that would always have bands like this come in. So anyway, they would always be on the road, but it just, like I said, just never was a convenient time or place for me to see them. So in keeping with the record store format, I'm going to talk about the album now. So 12 songs, I guess 12 songs in a sense, because the song the twelfth song is actually allegedly a reprise of one of the other songs, which we'll get to. So it starts out with a song called Simple Lessons. Um, listening to this, it's a reminder that this song, it, it represents the fact that they were trying to blend grunge and just straight ahead rock and roll. So there's a lot of screaming, a lot of sharp guitar sounds. That is definitely something that they're known for. Um, and I'm sitting here with the, the CD, and again, the whole premise of this is I'm going to talk about the songs on the album and run things down and kind of see if you know what things stand out, what things don't. So I've got the CD. I love a CD that comes with the lyrics. I don't know how anybody else feels about this, but I just love a CD when you can actually look at the lyrics and follow along, at least on the first couple listens before you get used to something. So that being said, this album actually came with the lyrics. However, it was frustrating as hell because... You know, on the little booklet that opens up out of the CD, that's already small enough as it is, but the lyrics are literally handwritten by somebody with terrible handwriting. (laughs) So I'm like, I remember like people would bitch about the lyrics being on the back of Sgt. Pepper. This, it's like completely 
unintelligible. So I like I got really frustrated early on because I'm like I'm sitting here trying to follow the lyrics with this very first song, Simple Lessons, which I believe was released as a single and didn't really go anywhere. Um and I gave up on the lyric sheet after the first song because I'm like, ah, oh, this is impossible. And I'm like, I have my contacts in. <laughs> I there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to read this. I have pretty good eyesight, even with without the contacts. I even I even have better eyesight for reading, but I cannot read this. It's so frustrating. So I'm sure at the time they probably took heed from people because I'm like, why the fuck did you put this in here? Why is this even included? This is a waste of my time because I mean, thank you for giving me the lyrics, I guess, but maybe perhaps you could have had it printed out or, you know, done something where it was at least readable for crying out loud. So, all right. Simple lessons, pretty good song. Like I said, just a straight ahead sound candle box soundings kind of song that was essentially drove home the fact that they were kind of a hybrid between classic rock and grunge. So second song called drowned, um, starts off with a driving bass. Um, this, when you talk about their influences and who they sound like, uh, this song had a very black crows kind of sound to it. Uh, especially the singer. They, I, caught the similarities between the singer and black crows and the singer and Candlebox on this one. Uh, definitely. They, I believe Candlebox has a harder sound to them, uh, and definitely less of a Southern sound to them as opposed to black crows where that guy has more of a Southern accent and the band itself has more of a Southern twang to it than, um, Candlebox does being from Seattle, obviously probably why they're going to sound more grungy. So, um, these guys, I, I think they faded unfairly, um, I think they got less and less airplay unfairly because rock radio faded out. You know, it's like, I think this song would have been a perfect song to get a lot of airplay on rock radio and to live on in rock radio. But I think this is about the time when radio itself was starting to fall off the cliff. Um, and when you, tr when you listen, like when I was checking out like, um, radio stations last week, I was doing a project with the book. There aren't very many <clears throat> like ex like rock radio stations left. There's th there were hundreds in Chicago. There were hundreds of radio stations, AM and FM. There were hundreds of radio stations. But anything that you're looking for with rock is either going to be like right now, like I don't know how to describe it, like thrashy kind of rock that's coming out right now, or classic rock. There's like nothing in between. And when I talk about classic rock stations, there's like three or four in Chicago. And they're playing stuff like, you know, Heart and Ario Speedwagon and The Who and The Stones and Queen and stuff like that when you're talking about classic rock. So a band like Candlebox is going to get lost in the shuffle. They're never going to make it. You know, if they have to be wedged in between Bohemian Rhapsody and Dreams, it's not going to happen. So I feel like these guys faded unfairly. They were producing decent music. They were producing good music. That first album was great, you know. This one... Not as good, but certainly worthy of some airplay for sure. And this song Drowned was right there. Should have been something that you could turn on a, a classic rock station today and hear this song. So anyway, third song was called Lucy. That's the name of the album. So um, it honestly starts with a very quick sound bite of Lucille Ball. 
Honest to God, I have no idea why this has nothing to do with Lucille Ball, but uh, and a really odd choice to name the album after this as well. So he talks about, in the song, he talks about getting her high, whoever the her is that he's speaking of. He's talking about getting her high. So pretty sure he's not actually talking about Lucille Ball. So just a weird song, like I said, kind of a didn't really fit, kind of a non sequitur in, in a sense, because naming it Lucy, you never think of Lucille Ball. You know, the album cover itself is like an old lady wearing kind of a clown outfit, which I guess in a sense you could think Lucille Ball, but it doesn't look like her whatsoever. It looks like an old lady in a clown outfit. Uh, and the album, the name Lucy right above her head on the album cover. So I don't know why they played the Lucille Ball soundbite at the beginning of the song because like i said he's talking about getting somebody high uh, her no less so not sure what that's about but decent song so fourth song is called best friend um this total garage sound total garage band sound it's so driving and so clear uh i love the production of this song it sounds like it literally was recorded in a garage uh, there's um around the corner from where i live there is a garage band that literally plays in their garage. And so in the summertime, when they have the garage door open, you can actually hear them. And it sounded that crisp as like when I hear those guys playing around the corner. So um, this is oddly kind of a love song. Uh, It's a weird song. It's an homage to his best friend because he keeps on referring to the best friend in the song. And the song title is obviously Best Friend, but he keeps saying she and her. So I'm assuming he's talking about his wife because he's talking about them lying down together. Uh, And like I said, he keeps using the pronouns she and her. So I'm assuming it's his wife. Um, It would be a great song live. That's one thing I'll say about this song, Best Friend, is it sounded like it would make for a great live song. Like I said, the production on it is so crisp and so clear. Really enjoyed that song. Uh, fifth song is called Become, and then in parentheses, To Tell, which I don't know what the hell that is, but it's called Become To Tell. Uh, it's very ethereal beginning, very misty start. The guitars are in the forefront, the vocals are behind. This one has like definitely a Pearl Jam kind of sound to it. Um, he's apologizing to somebody. There's some kind of apology going on of sorts. Uh, it very, again, it's really hard to follow along with the lyrics because you can't freaking read it at all. <laughs> so you do the best you can to make out the lyrics. Uh, just a very dreamy and weird sound to it. Like I said, very ethereal. Um, and that grunge sound in the sense that the guitars are in the forefront, the uh, vocals in the background. So Sixth song is called Understanding. An acoustic start to the song. Uh, He starts in a whisper, um, and then it kind of kicks in a little. This one is a real pissed-off song, telling the listener how they just lie to you. So it's just all about them lying to you and screwing you over and stuff. So this one, at first I thought maybe it's coming off as a screw you to the critics, or it could be coming off as a screw you like to people that are saying they're over the hill um, because it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely a pissed off song where he's talking about them lying to you and so on. Um, But this was only their second album. So you can't be that pissed off at people just yet. (laughs) Maybe after you've broken up and reunited and your fifth album tanked, I don't know. So I'm not sure who he's so pissed off at, but the other interpretation that I had is possibly it could be, 
like saying screw you about the trappings of being a celebrity. Like there's always somebody coming after you. There's always somebody wanting to use you. There's always somebody trying to get you, you know, whatever, go to bed with you or whatever, take pictures, sign autographs, whatever the case may be. The the bad things about being a celebrity that I think we'd all probably trade for for a day. So he's pissed off. It's a, it's a good song, kind of a cool song. Understanding is the name of that song. Uh, number seven, it's called Crooked Halo. Um, just a weird vocal. Um, on this one, I kind of took me out of the song right away. There was nothing particularly memorable or real positive about it. However, the thing that stood out was that the background harmonies were always like a quarter of a second off from harmonizing with him as he was singing. So I know it's like hard to describe, but you know, he's singing the lines and there's a backup, there's backup vocals that are like singing the same lines, but they're by design, they're a quarter of a second off. So they're a little bit lagging. So it was very distracting. It was like an effect that didn't really work for me. Um, Wasn't a big fan of that. And it kind of made the song a little bit less memorable for me. I, I suppose had they, had they produced it so that it sounded, you know, specifically clean, like some of the other stuff on this album, maybe it wouldn't have rubbed me the wrong way, but it made the song less memorable because of that weird effect that they decided to put on this song. So, all right, number eight song is called Bothered, again, talking about lies. (laughs) So all I'm thinking as I'm listening to these songs, I'm like, man, this guy's been screwed over a few times, or this band has been screwed over a few times. But again, this was only their second album, so I'm not sure who screwed them over and why they got screwed over and why they're so bitter about shit already. So I, it made me think of um, Adele because some of Adele's best music has been her bitching and moaning and complaining about men that have screwed her over in life. And I'm like, man, I'm like wanting her to get involved with somebody so that she can get broken up with again and then record some other great music. So, and some great vocals. So that's kind of how bitter these guys come across too. These guys have been lied to yet again. And so they've been screwed over yet again. And that's why bothered came out. So it's a really quick song, um, angry, quick song. And then it fades out right away and fades into what I found to be the best song on the album. Um, the ninth song is called Butterfly. Um, total tempo change from the last song. Last song, like I said, Bothered was an angry, quick song. Uh, this one, just a real soft start. Um, totally sucks you in. It starts with an acoustic start, and then it kind of grinding guitars kind of come in, and again, in front of the vocals, and just a really uh, seductive song, just compelling. Just I love the tempo changes throughout the whole song. There were all kinds of tempo changes back and forth. Um, and then... The odd thing was, again, talking about the the lyric sheet, they the the lyrics that are on here that even if I'm trying my best to read them, they absolutely did not match the lyrics of this song. So I'm like, okay, now I think I'm losing my freaking mind because I can't make out the writing. And now it's not even the right song. It's like it's called Butterfly, and the lyrics completely differ to what he's saying. It's not even close. It's like just completely like they put another song in there by mistake or something. So absolutely didn't match the lyrics. Made that whole lyric thing even more frustrating. Um, And then I wanted the lyrics to match up because this song was so interesting. He's talking about killing somebody. So I'm like, okay, song's called Butterfly, which seems like a pleasant concept uh he's talking about killing somebody altogether. there's all these cool tempo changes so i really wanted lyrics here so i could follow along but 
not only could you not read them, but they didn't even match the song. So whatever. So thanks a lot, Candlebox. So best song on the album, though, um, definitely worth listening to. So number 10 goes to a song called It's Amazing. Uh, and now they actually do return to the lyrics. You can actually, if you squint hard enough, you can follow along. So this one is basically him telling his wife that he can't believe she's still with him. Uh, that it's amazing. Basically, he's saying that it's amazing that you've stuck by me after all the shit that I've put you through, basically. So all I, I'm thinking, this guy must be a real head case because, like I said, this is pretty much an apology for all the all the his fuckery that he's done to this woman over the years. So I I don't know. Maybe he's being too hard on himself because uh, I don't know. Who knows? So, but then again, with the whole situation with the revolving band uh, members, who knows? He may be a complete asshole. But he's got a great voice, and I really love a lot of things about this band. So it's amazing. Uh, like I said, kind of paying homage to his wife for putting up with his shit. So then we kind of end the album with the 11th cut, which is called Vulgar Before Me. Um, again, kind of a start. Starts like a dreamy Metallica acoustic beginning. Uh, definitely feel the Metallica influence on this song for sure. Just a really like um, like an acoustic, slow, dreamy beginning. Um, I'm not sure what Vulgar Before Me refers to, because this song is basically him offering his services in any way needed to a friend. Uh, I'll be there for you type of thing. Uh, it's actually a really beautiful song, despite sounding like it was recorded in a warehouse somewhere. So on purpose, I'm sure that was the production. Uh, I questioned the production on one of the earlier songs, but this sounds like it was very echoey, kind of like I said, in a in a warehouse recording Um it's a beautiful song. Like I said, it's a beautiful song. And the sentiment is, like I said, him basically throwing himself at his best friend or one of his good friends saying, I'm here for you. Anything you need from me, I'm here for you. So I'm not sure what the song title vulgar before me refers to. It's said in the song, but in no context whatsoever. So, but another great song that sort of ends the album, but then we go to the 12th cut, which was the butterfly reprise. Uh, which was the ninth song, which the song didn't match the lyrics. I really enjoyed that one, liked that one, but it did not match the lyrics on the sheet. And this is actually a completely different song, and the song actually matches the lyrics of what's in the book. So I don't know what the hell is going on here. Uh, it's just really odd. So this one has a really nice build to it, uh, slow and soft beginning, and then it starts with the screaming and the up-tempo, which seems to be a trope of Candlebox in the first place. Um, Seems like a metamorphosis, like he's shedding his shell, uh, he's growing up, he's doing something different, he's growing. Uh, n again, numerous tempo changes, again, seems to be a trademark of Candlebox. Um, makes for a really compelling song and draws you in. It just draws you in, this song. So the fact that the two best songs on this album are both called Butterfly... And one of them doesn't even match, yet they call it Reprise. I don't know. It's really confusing. It, it is a completely different song. So I'm not sure why they called both of these songs Butterfly and the second one Reprise. Because you would think Reprise would just be like a snippet of the first song or something like that. But it actually has nothing to do with it. So um, overall... Enjoyed the album. Really glad that I bought it. Um, I can understand totally why it didn't have any radio charting success. There weren't what I would call singles on here. Um, there were a couple songs that I thought would definitely, like Best Friend, would definitely stand up and be 
good on the radio and would play well. Drowned would play well on the radio, but I don't think um, there was nothing that was made as a single for this album, and hence the fact that they started dropping off the charts. Um, I would definitely see them again. I would, or not again, but I would see them for the first time. I would definitely see them as long as, like I said, as long as they maintain that same sound, which I really enjoyed. Um, this is two shows in a row now, Three Doors Down and Candlebox. So that is definitely one true side of my musical taste is that kind of grungy, kind of hard rock, kind of classic rock motif. So anyway, Candlebox Lucy, I'd, I'd recommend it. I think it's good. Don't look for any singles on there. Don't look for something that you're going to be like really oh so familiar with from Candlebox. But I thought it held up decently to um, to what the first album brought for them. So anyway... That is it for this week. Candlebox Lucy is episode one of the record store. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already gone out and bought all the right notes already, please do so. Uh, It'll kind of give you some background and some feel for what I'm doing with this show and what kind of music I like and so on. Um, Listen to our other shows on the STS pod network and use Spunk Lube, use Blue Chew, use Uber Eats, use all of the great sponsors that we have on the other shows. And don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go. This episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit sent you. better tell someone. Tell someone about stspod.com. Tell them now. Call them. Text them. Tell them. Telegram. Send them video messages. Whatever. Tell them. Did you enjoy that episode? Cash app us. That's right. Dollar sign. B-T-S-T-S. Cash app us. One dollar. Two dollars. If you cash app us over twelve dollars, I'll give you one year of Patreon for free. Graphic design is very important. Your logo is the first image potential customers see. What kind of impression would you want to make today? Need a podcast logo or a t-shirt design? KT does art. Her name has become synonymous with quality and professionalism in the graphic design community. She specializes in graphic design, painting, and more. She provides affordable commissions and professional quality with a timely delivery. Contact KT via email at KT underscore does art at yahoo.com. Take out her Instagram at Instagram.com slash KT underscore does art. Hey, that was another great episode of Shooting the Shiznit. We're currently looking for contestants for who wants to be the best Shiznitter ever championship 2021. A shout out to our sponsors this month. And also, we have Patreon. It is only $1 at www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit without a G. A big thank you and a shout out to Bob McGee at Pro Wrestling, Between the Sheets, and Gene Jackson at localstolegends.com. You can reach us on Twitter at comicbookmarkbt, Instagram BT shooting the shiznit without a G, Facebook shooting the shiznit with a G, 
And we're also at Cool Kids Wrestling and MMA Talk. you got to ask to get in. If we don't like you, we'll kick you out. That's right. And you can get all the archives to all the episodes at www.stspod.club. All right, let's do a roll call of my favorite podcast. So my favorite non-wrestling podcast would be Who's Right Podcast, Paul Boy's Podcast, The Official Podcast, Man Brain Podcast, My Favorite Murder Podcast, I Am Fat Podcast, and my buddies over there, Richard Josh at P3 Radio. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.